the question that you ask is what is the job or what is the gain? Also, I had the same question and I, I came up with a definition that makes sense. It's like the, the gain is like the benefits you have and the job is, is it's just the things that, that you try to execute on, but the gain is going, going even, even further. Product Quest podcast. Thank you for joining us on our journey to better understand innovation and product strategy. My name is Jonathan Edwards, and joining me, as always, my co hosts, Jan Vermuth and Scott Burleson. Our guest today, Eckhart Burmer, is a strategy consultant and the developer of the customer progress design method. He's the co creator of the Wheel of Progress a canvas based on jobs to be done and inspired by Bob Moister's Four Forces model. More recently, Eckhart has been experimenting with AI tools and has developed an AI-based app that helps with analyzing customer interviews and processing the data. Eckhart is also an expert on Clayton Christensen's work and prior to becoming an independent consultant, he worked at Microsoft for over 18 years. Eckhart is the founder and managing director of Unipro Solutions. You can find the website at unipro-solutions.com. You can also find additional information about his tool, the Wheel of Progress, which we will be discussing today at wheelofprogress.com, all in one word. So Eckhart, welcome to the Product Quest podcast. Thank you for inviting me. So in the jobs to be done landscape, there are different schools of thought, the two main ones being those influenced by Clayton Christensen and Bob Moister on the one hand, and those influenced by ODI and Tony Olwick on the other. From what I gather, I would say you're more on in the Christensen camp. Is that a fair assessment? I would say that is a fair assessment, yeah. I studied... Uh... Uh, Clayton Christensen's and uh, Bob Meister's um, work um, when it came out um, deeply and I kind of fell in love with it. And I also looked at what um, Tony Alwick uh, does with his uh, ODI framework. I think both are, are really great frameworks to help us understand and, and also to frame jobs to be done in a, in a, in a practical way. Um, but uh, since I did kind of look so much at Bob's uh, work and also what uh, Clayton Christensen came up with, I uh, I said, okay, this is a framework I want to pursue uh, going forward. And could you maybe give us uh, some, what are the key components of this, uh, let's say, uh, what shall we call it, the christensen moisture approach to jobs to be done? Yeah, I think um, many roads lead to Rome, uh, that is a that is a saying that also makes here a lot of sense. Um, I found I found it a little bit unfortunate that there was a kind of a two camps and <laughs> felt like they were discussing or maybe even fighting with each other. I, I thought that's not very kind of helpful uh, for jobs to be done as a as, as a big idea. But um, I like the really the the notion of progress that customer customers go through that like, like a customer journey in order to make progress and starting with the first thought and going kind of through a lot of struggles in order kind of to improve their lives uh, by a new product 
a new service or kind of do it yourself and then hopefully are in a better situation. Hey, I really like that. Um, I also appreciate ODI, I have to say, uh, back in the days where I worked at Microsoft, I was very much involved in something called a job task analysis. So I really um, appreciated the detailed look at kind of customer jobs. Uh, we looked, of course, at the employee jobs or um, IT professional jobs, but I see some similarities with the ODI uh, framework, and uh, it just really depends on on the um, the altitude you want to uh, take. Um, you can go kind of very kind of low down into the nitty gritty manual task oriented uh, job to be done, and you can kind of rise up above kind of the sky. Uh, like 30, 40,000 foot level and, and look at the customer job from the very top. It's like all these unspoken customer jobs uh, that we never hear in a, in, a, in a customer interview, but which are uh, subconsciously driving people to do certain actions. So um, that's that's what I that's what I like. I mean, I think both are very valid. They both are very justified, um, but Kind of, I, I like to go at, at a higher level and, and look kind of down from the from the top, so to speak. So this uh, idea of progress, could you maybe expand a bit on this? You mentioned something about, so you mentioned the word struggle also. So the and it, it I, I seem to have understood that this is something about um, events happening in people's lives. Um, uh, I, I know also about the the timeline in in this approach. Is is this related? So is this timeline related to the the progress? And maybe if you could tell us a bit about this this timeline and and what what that is. Yeah, exactly. the The timeline is um, of course it's a it's a continuation of time, and uh, we on our path to try to make progress in life, uh, we encounter many kind of pushbacks, challenges, but also on the other hand, encouragement and, and insights. And so what we have tried to do is combine both concepts that we really loved and worked with, but we had we had them on two canvases. We had a canvas with the timeline, we had a canvas with the four forces model that, that you mentioned. And um, we wanted to bring both together to see uh, kind of at what point of time do people make uh, struggle to make progress? Uh, so you, as, as you move through this customer journey, uh, you have to deal with opposing forces. You have, you have forces that kind of drive you forward and you have forces that are holding you back or pushing you back. And uh, I think as an kind of a, as a provider of services, uh, we should think of ourselves as provider of, of, of progress and help customers move through this journey, this customer journey, and try to help them at every kind of stage of struggle in order to, at the end of the day, make progress, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. So you, you mentioned um, a few different things here. So the, the four forces, which I understand is um, a key component of this um, this approach. And you also meant, mentioned customer journey, which is uh, quite a well-known uh, uh, term. Um, so it seems to me here, there's, uh, from my understanding, that this is something that doesn't really appear. So this idea of customer journey, at least um, not 
um, explicitly in uh, the ODI method, for instance. I mean, you can, of course, use the, um, the, the, the ODI methodology to design something like a customer journey, but it doesn't seem, and I would say that's, as I understand it, maybe you can correct me, that that is probably a core difference between these two approaches, that there's really this notion of, the, of, a, of a timeline, of a customer journey, which is at the core of this um, uh, Christensen Moster approach, which maybe is not so much at the core in the ODI approach. Would you say that that's um, about right? I think that's a I, I think that's a fair assessment. I'm I'm I have to say I'm not an expert on ODI, but my understanding it is it, it has a different focus, and um, I think the the benefit of looking at the timeline and we kind of redefined it as a, a, a cycle of progress, because uh, once you are done with your progress, there may be a period of time where you're inactive, but eventually you will enter the journey again and, and make another cycle. Um, and I think what the benefit is of, of doing this is that it gives a meaning both uh, to marketing and sales as well, because if we declare progress as our mission, that we want the customer to help with, then suddenly marketing as well as sales become more like a buying aid. And instead of kind of pushing products and influencing customers and making them buy our product. And I think uh, it's a different, it's a different standpoint that you are looking at. And I think everyone wants to take the customer point of view, but it's so hard to get kind of leave your shoes and step into the shoes of customers. So what we try to do is uh, portray that journey from 100% from the customer point of view and not kind of putting a, a journey map on the wall and just putting on, on some sticky notes that we think that the customer artificially uh, should go through. Now, we know a uh, customer journey can be very complicated, very kind of a totally messy things going back and forth, you know, exploring solution space, look at solutions, but going back to exploring because they, they don't like the solution or it's too expensive. Um, but we need like a, a model that is simple enough. Uh, so, so it works, uh, it's manageable, and it needs to be complex enough so it doesn't is over over simplifying uh, things, and that's how why we came up with that kind of combination of the timeline that now has the shape of a cycle, uh, the four forces, and we added another uh, few things uh, to that canvas as well. So that is yeah. the, the the wheel of progress. Yeah, exactly. That's the wheel yeah. of progress. <laughs> yes. Um, Can I maybe just ask you? So so I'm I'm. Still, I mean, I know it a little bit, but I'm still struggling to bring bring the pieces together. Can you like, um, so okay, maybe I'll just just ask ask the question. If if you say time timeline, what I know, and I'm again, I'm also not an expert on on Westerside uh, side, but what I've heard of this is these different steps, basically of the purchasing uh, journey, if you like. Like there's a passive looking and active and different words that they use, but basically there's like they follow the purchasing journey is is that what we mean by timeline or is timeline like uh, in order to make progress you are somewhere then something happens and then when you get there you so like how can you how do these things relate i'm a bit i don't know exactly how they fall yeah that that, that 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 that's a quite 
Great question. It's, it's, I would say, as, as far as I understand your question, it's a combination of both. It is, uh, it is events and it is faces. And each event causes that you move or helps to move to the next phase. So if you, if you start with the first thought, uh, you may not immediately go to active search. Of course, um, there may be some first thoughts that you think, mm, what I have doesn't work anymore um, mm-hmm. as, as in the past. And I, eventually I need to change. And then you're opening up to solutions and hopefully you get an inspiration. And that could be like the first event that's happening. It's like when we did an interview about cargo bikes and there was a family thinking about buying one. And But it was not until they went to Denmark and saw people uh, kind of loading the uh, the cargo bike with people and and red wine and glasses and, and going to the beach and, and falling in love with it or kind of getting inspired. Um, and then, yeah, when people active, actively search, uh, that, that also doesn't mean immediately that they eventually will buy. It could be that they need something else, like a second event. It's like increasing the push or maybe taking some roadblocks out of the way uh, so they can enter this phase of uh, looking at products, comparing them, choosing the the right one for them, and then buying, and then hopefully enjoying the benefits of that new product. Okay, okay. So these different forces that hold you back, so the push, pull, and I think there's anxiety in him. So, so these play a role in all of the moment, all of these events. If that, if I understand you correctly, then exactly, and. Uh, so we, we started uh, when we built uh, the Wheel of Progress, we started yeah. with the timeline, but over kind of, it was like a day and night, <laughs> night uh, uh, project for me. And uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and then I, I thought it needs to be, it, it shouldn't be like a, a timeline, a straight line. It should be more like a, um, a cycle, yeah. a cycle with a break where people feel comfortable with what they have. And um, then um, we put the constraints into the middle because we thought it would be nice to have some more context. But context can be anything. The the wall is blue, the wall is white, the wall is green. Doesn't it really doesn't matter? But what what does matter is that these things matter of facts that uh, factual things that that are in the way of making progress that make it hard. It could be like your financials, your health. Yeah, it could be like a window of time that you have to make progress in uh, in that moment. It could be external factors like you know, after COVID-19, we got like new laws, we got you know, new regulations. Suddenly we could go to the doctor anymore and, and things like that. So these constraints are like the hub of wheel when it's uh, not greased well, when it's squeaky, when it's there's friction, ah. you cannot turn the wheel. You know, okay. that's, that's how you can think of, of, of constraints. When we do interviews, um, sometimes we discover lots of constraints, and then we understand why it's so hard uh, to turn the wheel, why it's taken so long, and it's so painful for people uh, to make that progress. So we had like this structure, it looks like a donut almost, like we have the timeline, which is a, is a cycle, it's like the cycle form, then we have the, in the middle, we have the, the constraints, and then we have um, we have the kind of the four uh, uh, events. We have the first thought, first event, second event, and the buying event. And when you when you draw the lines like a cross, then you have like four quadrants. And then we thought about 
what can we do put into the quadrants? And I thought, mm, logically, from when you work with the canvas, it probably makes sense to start at the top left when people start their journey and have forces that are opposing. It's like the push, push wants you to make, to move forward and the habit holds you back. And these two guys are always fighting against each other. So the question is, who's going to win? <laughs> going to win the push or the good old habit? In the second quadrant, we didn't have any of these four forces because they, have, they come later into play when you're in the trade-off phase, when you try to decide what is the right product. So what I thought, what would be nice to capture like the ideal, typical situation that people create when they make up their minds, when they don't know at that point of the journey what they want. Mm -hmm. They just explore the solution space. It's like this guy here in my neighborhood who I in, was like my, my first or second jobs we've done interview. And I asked him, why did you buy this Ducati, a mud black five-figure Ducati? And he said, yeah, I'm 45, kids are grown up, I'm divorced. Now I can do what, whatever I want. And I said, okay, what else did you consider? And he said, I thought about uh, doing a kind of motorboat license. Driver's license. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Have you thought about maybe, oh, would would you have been interested in playing, e, uh, learning to play e-guitar? He said yes. So he was in that kind of midlife crisis, and he wasn't sure about the solution space at that point. So I thought that it might be interesting to to ask people in the interviews what what the ideal typical solution would have looked like. What, what the we know people make stuff up. And also what they want to avoid in a new situation. So we had like these three quadrants where you start habits and pushes. You have the desired outcomes and avoidances. Then you have the pull of the new product and anxiety that comes with the new product. Is it really going to help me? Are they over-promising? And then we have the fourth quadrant at the lower left is where we then collect and uh, say, okay, let's here. Uh, collect all the customer jobs with their pains and their gains. So all experience, not the fears, not the concerns. It's really tactical. What did people experience? That's what we put in, in the fourth quadrant. And now you have like uh, the canvas. And when you fill it, um, we look at 12 elements um, that we want to find. And So I definitely want to get into, uh, do justice to the wheel of progress and 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 get into the details of of that. But I think it it, it is useful, well, both for me and and maybe for for the people listening also, um, to 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 understand uh, the. I, I still wanted to dwell a bit on the uh, like the core components of the so the timeline and the forces and and namely I I I still had a question regarding the. The timeline, which is, um, in your opinion, what is the so what is the use of adding these time dimensions in in is it just a kind of elicitation um, technique so that when you do an interview you can get more information uh, because people remember what they did or because it seems to me in well definitely in the ODI that's no assumption about the time there's just desired outcomes that you you get and there's no not really this idea of you know 
uh, this happened first and then there was this event and, and and so how do you see that how does the time play in in and why is it important to to have this ordered in a kind of time manner yeah excellent excellent question we started actually with using the timeline as a as a as a storytelling framework so please tell us the story how you got to this product mm. and kind of what happened along the way and and uh, it was until we launched the wheel of progress then that we found value in capturing what happened so all the events first thoughts and maybe buying events and uh, what we figured is like when you let's say you, you do like 10 interviews which usually is is a good number Sometimes it's it's enough to do 10 interviews. And in these interviews um, around one topic, mm. you find the same events. Like we, we did something around finding um, a new accommodation for a loved elderly one. And uh, like a senior living home or assisted living or sometimes hospice, of course. Um, and we found that in many of the interviews, we always heard the same things. First thoughts is like coming back from the doctor. Doctor is saying, hey, you slowly you should think about uh, a new accommodation for your loved one. It's not going to gonna go forever like this. And then uh, dementia, people driving cars, they get lost. They, I mean, all terrible things are happening. They get hospitalized, uh, accidents, falls. I mean, there were a ton of things that we heard that always repeated in interviews. And we thought, wow, that would be great to capture those items because we can use them later on when we when we think about a strategy that is customer-centric, we can think about how to respond to events. Um, and they are, they are a great source of information. They are not just, hey, help me to tell the story. We can actually anticipate sometimes what's going to happen next when we know the events and then we can, as I said, we can respond to it. So for instance, in this example that you mentioned for elderly people, um, how would, uh, so this would, the product here, let's say would be for people um, who have, um, I don't know what, what, what it's, what it's called elderly homes, el for, homes for elderly people. Mm -hmm. or what's, I don't know what you call that in, in English. Well, um, Senior living so, home, for example. Senior yeah. living, okay, uh, facilities or senior living homes. Okay, mm -hmm. so how would this information uh, be able to be exploited? Can, how can it be exploited or used to make better uh, homes for elderly people? That's the that's kind of, for me, the thing I'm trying to understand. I mean, it's definitely, I totally get that it's useful information in terms of maybe um, figuring out how you can get access to potential customers and stuff like this, but how can it help you design a better home for elderly people? Well, when, when the interview captures that experience within the home, then you have lots of material that you can use. Um, and, and we know, I mean, we heard in the stories what's going to happen if people are not satisfied with a senior living home or, or nursing home or something like that. It's like uh, they, they are not well uh, nutrition-wise. Uh, mental health is an issue. Uh, they are lonely. They are kind of get separated from, from, from life. They lose their purpose. Uh, there's tons of stuff going on that 
cause them to get worse. And uh, and those in, in that case, I would say it's like the experience at the facility that could be improved. And you mentioned it, the buying process. If we if we are somehow in the ecosystem um, of elderly care, um, we can use that information to help clients uh, move through uh, that cycle, starting perhaps with an advertising campaign, don't pro procrastinate. And if you procrastinate, your elderly loved one uh, may have some harm because you don't have time to, to look for a nice home because you have, you have to be reactive because something happened. And um, you can think about maybe consulting services because people are overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, now I have to, to find a new home. It's so complicated. And what are the financials? What can we afford? And uh, all huge issues. And then you can think about also selecting the right home. It's like certified providers that are quality approved, that are available, um, that are geographically uh, not too far away. Um, so in each of these quadrants, I think you can you can use that information. Also, the the what happens next information to anticipate uh, for the customer. Uh, what what's going to happen and 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 try to be proactive and 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 help the customer in that particular uh, phase to make progress. So let's dive a, a bit into this wheel of progress. So you you've um, discussed a few of the different uh, elements. Maybe it could be interesting. Uh, you you mentioned this was uh, that you woke up in the middle of the night and and uh, had this idea um could you maybe tell us a bit more about this origin story was there i mean why did you wake up that night was there were you on a project and something was bothering you or uh, i'm quite curious what pushed you what was the pull for you to use your terminology to to design this uh, this kind of new uh, canvas or slightly modified uh, uh, canvas I was just going to say, like, what were first thoughts and then you know, active looking around? And so, <laughs> yeah, you can please exactly. follow that for me. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, was quite a story. Uh, originally, I, I did not really plan on, on creating a canvas or a method. It was like it, it kind of fell into place. And uh, it's not something you sit down and you you draft it and, and there you got it. It's not, I mean, it's totally the opposite. I have worked with shops we've done canvases before, and I thought they are great for understanding the, the job to be done at that time when, when people consume it, but they were not, or, or tried to execute it, um, but they were not really helping us to, to, to capture the story. And uh, when, when Peter Rochel and I, when we sat in Cologne in, in, in summer of 2019, um, we thought about, how, can we create something? Can we create a new tool that's going to help us in our work uh, to simplify it and also save time in explaining what jobs we done is because it took us like half a day <laughs> to explain what it is. And the, the rest of the day, we could do some work. And uh, I really hated that. And, and, and clients also didn't want that. So we, we were looking for kind of baking jobs we've done in, into a, a new canvas. Uh, so it's intrinsically handled. And um, so we look at, um, so we were looking at uh, combining, as I said, uh, the timeline, the forces, and then the, the, the with every iteration, the timeline was bent even more. It was like slightly bent, and then it was like a 
like an arc. And then I thought, no, it, it shouldn't be an arc. It should be, it should be a cycle with a break. And then I had, and uh, I said, okay, let's think about constraints and put them in the middle. And then it looked like a donut. And then I thought, okay, we have these four simplified uh, customer journey, kind of these um, events, first thought, first event, second event and buying. And then, okay, let's put them aside and, and draw these lines. And then there was a structure. And then you think about how, how do you want to fill the structure? So there was another kind of iteration. We, we experimented with, with lots of ideas. And then we settled with this, what I described before, quadrant one, opposing forces, quadrant two, decide outcomes and avoidances, quadrant three, uh, pulls, uh, pulls and anxieties. And, and the fourth one is like, let's put all the jobs with pains and gains in there. So, and then we had it. Then Peter helped uh, to, to make it a kind of nice looking canvas. And then we, I think at a bar camp in Frankfurt in September, uh, 2019, we put it out. And then we suddenly had people say, oh, what's that? It looks like a, it looks like a nice canvas. Um, and then, yeah, we put it out and, and people kind of liked it because it's not a hypothetical, theoretical, based on assumptions, customer turn. It's something that you can fill with life. We can fill it with, with real data. And that makes a big difference. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try and it's, it's hard for people to I, I invite everyone who's listening to search for this uh, canvas on uh, wheelofprogress.com. Um, We'll do our best to try and talk about it uh, without the visualization for people who are listening. Um, so just to recap, so there's four quadrants. There's uh, two circles in the in the middle um, at the intersection of these four uh, quadrants. And so you you go from the top left, as you mentioned, and then you go round, yeah, uh, in, and you go round clockwise. That's correct. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so I also thought about what, what, why do don't we start at twelve o'clock? I mean, the clock starts at twelve o'clock, and I thought, um, actually, maybe it would be nice to have on one side uh, where the customer is not actively looking on the left hand side for a new solution, and on the right hand side, that's kind of these two quadrants where customer actually actively look for a solution. So that was kind of okay. Maybe let, let's start at nine o'clock and. Uh, still works <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and so the the center so the 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 two concentric circles at the center this very center one is the constraints is that correct it's a it's a constraints like the hub yeah. of the yeah badly and, and what is a constraint useful. for you just so we're we're, we're mm -hmm. kind of clear what, what would be an example for of a constraint for example yeah a very typical constraint is like money what, what's your budget uh-huh okay do we have the budget for uh cargo bucks that cost like five to nine thousand euros right it's in the way of making progress oh we had another one that was also nice uh um there was a nurse coming home from night shift i think like eight or nine no not night shift but but very long day shift like at eight or nine and she was looking for a yoga class and there was no yoga class. So she was kind of constrained by her schedule. And uh, as I mentioned before, there are external um, uh, constraints as well. It's like like laws and, 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 and like HIPAA or any other law or regulation. 
that keeps you from kind of moving moving forward as as you want or maybe um you didn't have that constraint and it, there's a constraint suddenly and then you you cannot do these things that you have done like always um and then uh they they, they may or may not cause a feeling in in many cases they create something like like a bad feeling like oh i don't like that but it's not always we live with lots of constraints and they don't bother us we just accept them as they are okay and then so in the second um so just outside the second circle what what goes in there in in that so you've got the constraints in the middle and then in the second circle what what would be there in the that that reflects the timeline it's like at, at nine o'clock ah, so you, okay so you'll yeah. write the events down there exactly so the, okay okay yeah and then, we, and on, we write the events down with kind of sticky notes at nine twelve three and six o'clock okay okay got it so yeah okay okay and um and and so in you have you have you modified as so i think you did mention you did modify it as you as you used it but what were your first um like what was your experience using this canvas uh, live with uh, yeah. with companies um so maybe at at first how, how how did it work how was it received and then what did you change and and how is it used now how how what's your been your experience with it at the yeah moment? that yeah that that's a uh, fantastic to talk about the 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 real experience with it um i, I mean was my business partner Peter Roll, who used it the first time in, a, in an already running project. So he he changed like horses <laughs> or tools uh, that he was using. And it was, a, uh, he took the risk and he it was a big client. And he said to me, it, it worked. And so what we, what we changed and what we didn't change, we did not change the structure of the Wheel of Progress. What we changed a little bit, what we put on the, on the on the wheel of progress because we started putting like demographics and some i don't know anything that doesn't fall into these 12 elements um and we figured now that, that we don't need that we don't need that because we need also be very selective and kind of throw things out that you cannot really work with i cannot make a decision based on a demographic data i cannot i mean it's like we know jobs to be done are independent Whole of the principle past. jobs to be done. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, that, that's more like the adjustment that we did is like is like really focusing on 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 really twelve things, which is customer jobs, pains and gains. So yeah. Okay. Are, so let's uh, let's say. Yeah, so okay. the, what are the twelve things? Customer jobs, pains and gains. That's three. Yeah. Okay. It's three. Right, and we are following Alexander Osterwalder's uh, value proposition canvas. We like the circle, the right-hand side of the value proposition canvas. So, pains, jobs, pains, and gains. Yeah. And then, we, like the next layer, when I when I look at this graphically, it would be uh, context. Uh, so, events, constraints, and solutions. So, we yeah. also capture solutions, all the the whole suite of solutions that people. Um, pull into their lives uh, in order to make progress. That can be things like, I bought a, a cargo bike, but along with the cargo bike, I bought an insurance, I bought a big lock, and I, pour, I, I bought a, a canopy because I don't want the kids to get, get wet. Uh, but it also could be uh, buying aids. It could be like a forum 
or YouTube where I can inform myself about using a cargo bike. It could be, it could be even other people I, I talk to. So this could be communities that uh, could be all, all kinds of kind of solutions. And uh, the reason is, I mean, first of all, um, it's nice for storytelling. So you have the complete story and also the solutions, they point to customer jobs. So when, when your customer job list is incomplete, you can look at the solutions hired and then you find, okay, there was a customer job of getting this thing insured or something. And uh, so it's another kind of another cross check. Um, and then we have, so we have six now. Yep, and then six. we have six on the outside, on, on the kind of the very outside um, layer of that onion, if you will. Uh, and then we have the forces and desired outcomes and um, avoidances. So we have six again. So we have three, um, no, four forces. So that's plus four. Six plus four is ten, and then two. Ah, the four. Two forces. additional one. Like uh -huh, each okay. force. Exactly. Is, yeah. Each force, uh, each force is one, one element. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. And that's it. <laughs> Nothing else. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, you could ask me. Okay, did you ever feel uh, you needed something else? And and I have to answer no. I, I, I always look at other models and. Uh, it's if something is not immediately logical, um, there's kind of a no association, then I try to reframe it. And up to now, it went well. I, I didn't have, I didn't find many things that I couldn't associate. But if in the case there is something happening, we just put it in the, in the, um, in the donut. We leave it there so it's documented. But we may not be sure whether it's a pull or or pain or something. Then we just leave it on on the canvas. So this is actually maybe for me something. Uh, uh, Jan, you wanted to ask a question. Well, maybe just just uh, I, I I wonder if you could also expand a bit. Like, what, like is the wheel of progress? I mean, on the one hand, it's a structure, but is it once you fill it up, is that something that in the end there is one wheel of progress? Does each like individual have their wheel of progress. It seems like there is, or or is it is it is it a tool that you use to to make sense of whatever another person is babbling about? Or like like how how, well, how so you see what I mean? Is it is, does everyone everyone like does each buyer have an individual wheel of progress, or is there the wheel of progress and that's kind of the market? And so no, yeah, <laughs> it's also something we we struggled with. We we started to use the wheel of progress for like one wheel per interview. And sometimes people are talking about, they kind of deviate. So let's talk about this last thing that you bought. And then people deviate, they go into the past and yeah. they feel they're totally, they totally another <laughs> cycle of progress, right? Or they may have entered a new cycle already because they have thought about something new. We had like, uh, we did an interview around electric automobiles and there was this family bought in like a BMW i3. And by accident, we found out they already bought another one. So the the, the recruited buy didn't, wasn't the, the actual, the, the latest one. There was a new one. So we can even go sometimes into the future without asking hypothetical questions. But did you already think about it? Did you already uh, actively search for something? And people say, yeah, I bought this tablet PC. And then I, I bought this... Uh, 
the stylo that enables me to uh, make hand, handwritten notes and, and sketches and things like that. Okay, then they kind of entered the next cycle again. Um, so to, to long long winded story, but yes, we try to um, be as, as 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 clean as possible, um, putting kind of every uh, interview or every cycle on one wheel. Sometimes you capture like maybe three. There was one interview we did. We had like three or four different cycles. And then we distributed them as 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 good as possible onto other wheels. So we were kind of clean with that. Okay. Okay. Um, I I also had a question as you went through these elements. Um, so maybe a bit of a just a personal um, story. So I, I was a, a very big fan of Osterwalder's um, approach. I I was like, ah, oh, this is a really this is really cool. And then as I started trying to use it, I often uh, I often face some some challenges or some issues where I was like, so what is this? Is it a job? Is it a pain? Is it a gain? I I, I never knew where, yes. what to put where, and and actually my route to jobs to be done was was through the Osterwalder canvas because uh, when it said jobs, it's kind of mentioned in the book at some point. Yeah, it, uh, I think he mentions um, uh, uh, Tony Allwick's work, and so I thought, oh, that's I'll go and see what they're talking about. So that's how I got to that, but. I was wondering, you, there are three different terms here that seem to me, uh, in my ignorance, maybe uh, potentially redundant. So, um, mm -hmm. so the pains and gains, the four forces, and the desired outcomes. So, uh, what is the difference between these things in in the end? And and uh, have you found that you often get this like have the same post-it notes in in these different categories or is it a really a different uh, different things yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a great topic for discussion uh this uh clearly has been at least at the beginning it has been challenging to us as well because you're you're dealing with different concepts you try to bring them together you have to they have to be distinctive uh, in order to not to be confusing. So for example, um, we figured that we we, we uh, captured a lot of constraints, which were pains and, uh, and vice versa. So over time, we developed a catalog of criteria. Uh, so I documented this in, in, in this uh, handbook. Uh, so each and every element is, uh, is, is uh, described um in, in in very much in in very much detail with examples and uh, the question that you ask is what is a job or what is a gain also i had the same question and i i came up with a definition that makes sense it's like the the gain is like the benefit you have and the job is, is it's just the things that that you try to execute on but the gain is going going even even further and um and 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 that's right. And there's uh, there can also be sometimes a little bit redundancy when people have a have a push, which is a, like a strong pain in the past, and then they uh, formulate that as a desired outcome. So that negative becomes a, a positive, and then they look at the product, and that's again a positive because it pulls them over because it it solves that that solution. And uh, so that, that, but there's a story and uh, you can, you can, when you do the interviews and capture the items, you can tell the story. Then sometimes it morphs 
because it, it changes when people realize there's no ideal product in the world that costs nothing. It's like they have all they always have to make compromises. So it's a it's like a storytelling tool. And I also want to go back to what Jan just uh, asked is uh, what did we learn? Um, and I felt so that's how I use it. I don't build one wheel of progress with all the data from all interviews. What I look at it more like um, I'm interested in these points, in these data points, and they can be totally different because the interviews, the stories that people tell are very different. But these items, these, for example, a pain or an event can be very similar. And that is that is where the, the, the method comes into play and how we are able to uh, combine interviews. And uh, so that was one learning. It's not, not, don't put like together an artificial customer journey. It doesn't make sense because they are, they are all separate. They are all different. And, but you can you can combine it you can combine it at the element basis. Okay. Can I maybe so I would I would be really interested in in, in having maybe your, your view on this. I would have a tendency, but that's but that's me. Like to say, okay, some of these elements are more important than others. So are all these twelve like equally valuable or equally they matter equally? I would have a tendency, but that's that that's my where I'm coming from. I would say. Habits and pains. That's I think where the magic happens. But 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 like, or is there just the these are all the the twelve things are twelve elements that, that are equally important. They have the same kind of yeah I don't know weight in 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 what you can use them for. Yeah, but the way I look at it, um, it it depends on what you what you want them to use for. Okay, fair. So in, in terms of like the customer jobs, uh, we are really jobs focused. So we have a, a stage in the process where we prioritize customer jobs. So customer jobs in and of itself have a huge importance. But when you look at these items, so as I said, we, we have a structure where we look for these items. And in the last phase, when you create strategy, there are dedicated spaces where we put in also select elements. So we are not using all the elements. We, we make a, a selection and then we put them in to the phase where they make the most sense. For example, the pushes and the habits are very important in, in the first phase where people are procrastinating. So with that information, what is pushing people? What is an, a, a fear maybe? But what are, also what are the habits? So we can work with the data and create create a strategy. And there's no value proposition in the first quadrant of the strategy because nothing we can really offer. We can just encourage people. We can message them, but we, we cannot offer a service because they're not at this stage. So what I want to show here is like that um, we very selectively think about or very consciously think about the elements that we create and how we use them to create strategy. And it's not like all over the place. The only, the only um, phase uh, or quadrant um, in, in the, on the strategy board, we can put anything that may be interested, uh, interesting, like, like you said, is the last one where we create a solution. There we are more open. It's like, hey, 
is it was it a pain or maybe someone had a great gain that we can emphasize or was an event that was typical or kind of that 30,000 foot customer uh, job is that let's put it down as a, as a data point and then create a new product or or or, or service or something my question so, was similar to Jan's about the the prioritization. Is there um, is there a quantitative phase or like a survey type phase, or is is most of this uh, done with qualitative work? <laughs> that that's a great that's a great question, uh, Scott. Uh, we don't have a like a formal quantitative phase, um, but when you it's, it's like puzzle pieces. You're in, in, in interviews with the 12 elements, you you collect puzzle pieces. Then you use all the puzzle pieces and put them on a huge table, start to sort them to cluster elements that put to, that, that uh, belong together. Then you generalize it and you can see is there, was there like one guy, uh, one interviewee mentioning that, or maybe there was 10 out of 10. So that puts a little bit of weight to that item or to that element. It's like when you see lots of people have that. Um, so it's not a it's not a valid uh, quantification, I think. Uh, but at least you, you get you get a really good sense. I'm a little bit skeptical, uh, to be honest, about uh, quantitative research because I, when you it, it, it just have a hard time to understand, uh, uh, hard time to to, to really understand how you can can do this effectively with all the context. Yeah. But um, so out of context, quantitative research is really hard. So how, how, how do you would, would talk about that job? I mean, to begin yeah. with, I, I think, yeah, maybe at a, at a very kind of granular level, um, how hard is this to, to move this from, from left to right? Yeah, maybe, but, but this is highly contextual. So, um, and it's interesting. Uh, it's a topic that I hope we we have time to talk about. Um, we uh, we do counts. We look at how many items we found in what category. And uh, I mentioned at the beginning that I did some research where um, the interview had lots of constraints. You could see like an overweighting of constraints, and and then you can have like a little statistic. I do this once in a while. I say how many pains did we find? How many? pushes, how many constraints. And it's interesting to see uh, kind of the distribution of, of elements. Uh, so make a long story short, it's a, we don't do the quantitative thing, um, but maybe we, we are able to a certain extent marry the benefits of quant and qual research. I, I'm a big believer in qualitative work. It's funny. I don't know if funny is the right word, but as a practitioner, we've sort of gotten... I don't know. We 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 do use surveys and gotten used to that in the quantitative. However, um, I you if I'm as a practitioner, as a product manager practitioner, not as a jobs be done practitioner, but as a product manager, I know that we've done. I've seen lots of great work done purely on qualitative research. So I'm a I'm a believer in it, and I I um I I share the skepticism that you have uh, with what with quantitative at times. Um, but it's, but, you know, with, with, with a commitment to quantitative, it makes things very expensive for clients, slows things down. Um, right. and, um, so I'm sort of, this is a question I'm sort of continually looking to answers for, 
And so just to be completely honest, I find it really refreshing um, that your method is generally mostly qualitative and, and, and you make no apologies for it. And you're like, look, we see patterns and we feel good about it. And we're, we stand behind it. I, I, I find that refreshing. I can't quite get there myself almost out of habit in years, but I, I very much, um, I sort of want to, <laughs> I want to get to, because when you do a quantitative study, um, if it says anything dramatically different than what you heard in qualitative, man, I've really questioned it. I really like what's something, something has gone wrong. Uh, and, and um, I honestly, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't say this in public, but I'm going to say it, but after a qualitative, I really feel like I know what I need to know, but to be honest. Yep. And the main, one of the main purposes of quantitative is to get, it's almost to satisfy people who are not believers in the qualitative. I will say this. I think the qualitative approach, it puts, um, now that the researcher, you're the instrument, like you're the gathering instrument. Mm -hmm. So you must be much more skilled and able to mm -hmm. eliminate your confirmation bias. And, and for example, you must Absolutely. be, you must hold on to, um, you, you know, not jump to conclusions quickly. And, and, and so I, I think, I think it's a harder, I think it's a smaller subset of people that can do that uh well that qualitative well but anyways i'm jealous to be completely honest <laughs> of your commitment to qualitative and maybe that's that's something that i'll take on as a challenge to uh continually try to do better at that but anyway yeah. that's, scott, that's I'm, very I'm, interesting scott i'm i'm totally i'm totally with you <laughs> and that's that's exactly my 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 experience and i've seen people misusing quantitative uh, uh, data to, to make that point. But I think uh, what, what we are battling with is that that perception that quantitative data is more valid than qualitative data. And I really doubt that. And, and that's the reason why we put so much emphasis on hardening the data and, 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 and telling people we are not looking at one kind of little data point. We are looking at, we are looking at patterns. Um, but you don't need a hundred interviews. It's like that, that would be like crazy. Um, you need just a, a, a number of interviews. And also I, I see a, another huge benefit of, of structuring qualitative information because it's so much more efficient. So what, what's your guess? How many, how many interviews can you do? Like 45 minute, minute interviews, uh, including evaluation of the interview. How, how many do you think you can do a day? You asking me? Uh, I I always I would cap that at two personally. I've done more than two, but it's almost okay. always a mistake. When I when I why why do I say that? Because what I want to do when I'm you're asking me when I do one interview, I want to assimilate that, think about it, learn from it, and have and for it to prepare me to do the next one. Yeah. Um. If 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 that gets so one a day, you can do that. To do three a day, I definitely do not have time to do that. I do not have time to learn from it. Um, why do we do two a day, sometimes three a day? Honestly, it's just a schedule. Like you're put on a schedule. We have to have this by this time. Uh, you're asking me. I would much prefer to only do one, but I feel like I could probably do two a day with, but it would be a very exhausting day. That's my, I don't know. Yeah, what, yeah. How would you answer that question? <laughs> You mind, you mean me? Yeah, how would you answer that same question? Would you, do I, yeah, two so, or you keep it just so, one? Or so, yeah, of course that's that's, that's we started like doing one one and then discussing for for yeah. half an hour or maybe an hour, right. and and uh, so with practice over time, uh, we were able to do this in real time. So while the interview is going on, we have a lead interviewer. 
uh, there's maybe one or two people taking notes on the wheel of progress already okay. when the interview is going on. And then you take another maybe 15, 20 minutes to clean it up, to hone it, to rephrase the items, to put them in the right places. And with that and uh, beginning of the year, I was able, and that was exhausting, but I was able to do seven interviews a day oh, wow. okay. in one day. <laughs> like starting at, answer. I think we started at like eight and then we had like a half an hour break, <laughs> a lunch break. And yeah. like at six o'clock or so, we were done. It was, it was crazy, um, but it's possible. It's it's possible when uh, when when you're, 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 when you have listen skills, when your brain is trained to listen and to make an immediate decision and just a little bit of cleanup and, and doing it as a team, then uh, then you can really boost your uh, your efficiency of, uh, of 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 qualitative research. Seven's a lot more than two. But I think but I think part of the takeaway is that you've got this you've got a team. It's not just one of you. It's one thing I heard. The other thing is you've got this structure. Oh. And so you're able to get information in your wheel of progress meeting. So you're able to get your, your the inf what you hear into this structure for a little quicker uh, interpretation. I think the only caveat I would add to that uh, is I think it might depend on what I'm studying. If I'm studying a surgery and there's lots of lots of medical terminology, yeah. I'm probably mm -hmm. doing less of those. I'm probably doing those maybe only one every other day. If I'm studying something more B2C like or planning a vacation, something I'm familiar with, I would probably have a more comfort level with doing more. That that might be my only, just to give you a more complete uh, answer to your question. Yes, and, and, and B2B interviews take longer, naturally. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have more, more topics to cover. So um, of course, then you can do less. Yeah. yeah. I'm very jealous of the no quad. <laughs> so we're hitting the, yeah. um, but, okay, the one so, hour mark. So oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, I I did want to talk about this uh, your explorations in the the AI space that uh, that you shared on on LinkedIn. Um, you mentioned bef uh, some time ago, as a prior in our previously in our discussion, that you hoped we would be able to talk about some things and uh, talking about the statistics. And I wondered if this was related to the AI stuff or if you wanted to. Um, specify what it is that you 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 hoped we would have time to talk about i don't know if you recall yeah it's a uh, the, the reason i brought this up i mean i did this uh, these little statistics before i did um um but before we created the ai so what what we are using is as mural as as a whiteboard and then you can uh go into the canvas and then you can uh tag the elements and so we have like we are we, we are tagging the elements. So it's kind of rather easy to make a statistics because you mark them all and then you look at uh, I think information or something and then it counts it and and then you do this for every item. Then you know how many you you found and you can as a as a as a quant researcher you can you can actually quant uh, a qual researcher can quantify your efficiency of, of doing the interviews, how, how, how productive you were. But with the AI that we created, it, it got even easier. Um, it's just a push of the button and then you get like, it's like it found like 231 elements and these are broken up in habits, pushes, pulls, and so, so on. So maybe you can describe how this works a bit. So how what's the process of using this AI? At what point do you use it? When What does it spit out? 
yeah. just maybe maybe walk us through the process yeah so um it, it, so in general it is a soft it's a web-based uh chat gpt based uh companion software so why did we call it companion because it's not an autopilot it's not we don't people we want that people just push buttons and, and create results. It needs to be a companion to you as a, as a user, as, as a researcher, as a generalist who goes through the process. And in general, in customer progress design, we have like five steps, starting with creating hypothesis, creating uh, interviewee profiles, inviting people through the interviews. In the second phase, we look at uh, doing the interviews, capturing them on the wheel of progress. Step number three, we are consolidating, uh, we are aggregating the items, we are uh, generalizing them, we build the job map, we build customer profiles back. In the fourth step, we do prioritization. In the last step, we do the of, of jobs. And in the, in the last one, we, we create the strategy. The AI is supposed to help you in all the steps, but we are not there yet. We It can help you getting started with the interviews in terms of um, when you have an audio recording, which we always try to to do as an audio recording, you can load it into the software and it creates a wonderful transcript. And I have to say, these, these are the best quality transcripts I've ever seen. So yeah. even when people have accents, when there are audio issues, uh, that somehow magically... <laughs> yeah, I can fill the gaps and 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 uh, it makes sense. And you read it and say, yeah, this is exactly what the interview was about. And in the next um, step, so once you uh, loaded the the interview and and created your your PDF of the transcript, um, then you can analyze it for the twelve elements. And then you get a box, a text box, and it lists all the all the elements. And uh, then in the next uh, uh, step you would uh, project it onto a wheel of progress. So just so, on the previous, sorry, on the previous step. So um, how does it? Do you have to kind of give it, uh, feed it some information about what these twelve elements are? How does how does that work so that you can have it automatically kind of classify things in the twelve elements? Uh, yes, it, it does it automatically. It's 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 programmed with uh, our criteria, so it, it it can identify the elements. Mm -hmm. And oh, that's it was amazing. It's amazing. I was, I mean, I, to be honest, I was shocked. I was a little bit worried because this mental model and data model was like in my head, right? And, and we talked about can you distinguish this and that, and I, I, I was a little bit worried. And it was like when I saw it the first time, I said. Oh my goodness! Uh, it makes sense. It was not a hundred percent right, right? There's so you basically just give it the the definitions of these these categories, and then it can classify. That's yes. It. Okay. Wow. Yes, exactly. And uh, it's it's still a little bit work in progress because we need to kind of learn and and, and train the AI to do it even better. But it's like it's like what you get today is like wow! You can you can really use it. So um, out of the, as I said, out of the audio, or if you have a PDF, you just push push a button and then it takes maybe a couple of minutes and then it comes up with this list of 12 items in the next step. It projects it to, to the wheel of progress because we want people to 
work with the tools they know already. So they go like in, in the they, they click on the habits button and then they get the list of identified habits and uh, then can delete some if you think they don't make sense. For example, habits that uh, that are not in the way of making progress, you could take them out. You can add some. You can reassign a habit to maybe something else if it, the AI didn't get it right. So you can do this with all the all the items, but it's just super quick because it's like wow, boom. There it is, and when when you're when you're sure um, that this is what what got us right, uh, you can add another interview, and then you clean it up, and then you can you click a button and can export it back to Mural, and this was like my my uh, most favorite feature is like to make sure that we have a workflow, and it it creates a, a new uh, Mural, and then it populates. All the items you can you can watch it populate, and then you just mark them all, and you say, okay, please sort them by category, and then you have your items there, and you can just go ahead and put them on back on the wheel of progress. So that's that's kind of uh, comfortable um, workflow wise. Uh, we probably look at other whiteboard tools as well, uh, export functionality, and uh, then there was something I was totally blown away it's like <laughs> when my my business partner they they um Im implement some um advanced analytics uh so what you can do you can do like a by job or by push or by habit an analysis and it brings you up it talks about all the customer jobs or all the habits constraints it's like you if you have to explain to someone else this is this is just wonderful. Or you can go into the strategy space, push a button, and then it creates a Facebook campaign with five posts. When I look, the first time I looked at these five posts, I noticed this was 100% related to the, to the one interview that we had. And I thought, how great is that? It really makes sense. I, I I mean, I'm not a social media expert. I thought, wow, this can get me started. It can get me lots of, of great ideas um, that really hit the, uh, the things that we found out in the, in, in the interview. And, and uh, that, there's a lot of stuff uh, more than you can do, like create a marketing plan and stuff like that. Um, but to make a long story short, we um, try to support with a companion that five-step process or also mapping whatever analysis is created or maybe creative ideas that it uh, kind of adheres uh, to the framework of the four phases that we want to, to the customer to go through. And so how can people get a hold of this um, uh, this tool? Is this something that when they'll they hire you as a as a consultant or to come and help them, um, then they will have access to this tool or is this something you're mm -hmm. Uh, you know, making uh, available for, for people to use? Um, yeah, that, 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 that is a great question. Uh, so, so right now we're doing a beta test phase. Uh, as I said, it's not, it's not finished. It's, it has some kinks. The UI is like, uh, yeah, you can use it, but um, it's, it can be improved. But right now um, we have a program that people can participate in the, in the beta. I can send you the link. It's on the Steady store. So the store that um, 
sells all the canvases, also all the canvases. So I've, I've partnered with um, with Statis on on creating this piece of software, and they offer yeah, you can sub you can subscribe to it. So we have a discount offer also for for beta participants. And I'll definitely uh, send the link, and we'll put it in the show notes. Okay, great. Um, so right now, now my thinking is um, for. I think we need to distinguish a little bit between people who consult others. So I need a little, I need more formal education and and a certification in the process. Uh, so I can can make sure it's kind of handled properly. For someone uh, kind of using it for themselves or in a kind of a, in a company, for example, or in a startup. I, I trust they they can use it. Um, I just want to make sure when it's used for a third party that there's proper certification, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, definitely sounds great. Do you guys have any other questions? Just one little follow-up to the AI. You know, I guess almost every business, well, maybe not every, but there's service business for sure. We're you know, not quite sure how AI is going to change things. Lots of discussion going on. Just this morning, there's there was on LinkedIn there was some uh, job there was uh, some jobs we done practitioners uh, we'll say sparring a bit about what AI is going to do and not going yeah. to do. Um, now your application of it is very consistent with sort of what I see, which is it's gonna it's just gonna be more tools for the practitioner that already knew what they were doing. Somebody that doesn't know jobs he's done at all, just you know, doesn't doesn't have the basis of interviewing all these various tools, you know, it'd be like you know, uh, I mean, I guess one example that comes to mind is who's going to do these robotic surgeries? Are you just going to have a, a you know a, a mechanic going there? Or, no, you're still going to have surgeon using robots for surgeries, and um, it's sort of a fool's game to predict how technologies will be used but that's my view is exactly what you described it's going to be ai is going to be great tools in the hands of knowledgeable people not so great in the hands of not knowledgeable people but the future will tell yeah that that i i'm i'm again i'm i'm totally with you i think it's yeah. a, that's why we call it also a companion it's, it's not an autopilot yeah. you need to know what you're doing i think uh, for the time being uh that we have human to human interviews and I, I have a yeah. hard time uh, using AI to, to do an interview. I, I don't know if you would ever open up to an AI, at least if it's uh, disclosed, <laughs> That's an, yeah. you know. but it certainly um, is helpful. It certainly will push boundaries. I've no doubt about it. It's like uh, it can greatly accelerate learning, I think. Uh, so if, if you have someone who wants to learn the 12 elements, that takes some time, but if you have someone kind of virtually sitting by your side as a as a companion, as a guide, uh, that can help you to to get up to speed much quicker. I think that these are the um, kind of the benefits. But I, I'm I, I I cannot see this as a kind of a standalone solution. It's like anyone can do it. Uh, uh, yeah, I've, that's not. I cannot think that far to be honest. I mean, a fool with a tool. let's not get rid of the humans just yet yeah (laughs) no so i think this um i think we we're getting to the end here and i'll try and uh, close it up so 
Uh, just to remind everyone listening, um, Eckhart, uh, you can find Eckhart at uh, Unipro Solutions, uh, the website unipro-solutions.com. You can find information about uh, the Wheel of Progress at wheelofprogress.com, all in one word. Um, you can probably find him on LinkedIn. Is there any, anything else you want, any other place that uh, people should connect with you? No, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is great. I, I, I love to post stuff and uh, and uh, also discuss with people uh, the exactly these issues that we or topics that we talked today about. Well, anyway, thanks so much. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And that concludes today's Product Quest podcast. So please send any comments or ideas for future shows to productquestpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It was, I really enjoyed it. Right spot on the questions. This is exactly what I think we all grapple with.